Hello and welcome to Virago Voices podcast. This is episode two of series three, Self-Care is Healthcare. If you had a listen to episode one, I really hope that you enjoyed it. This series is all about health self-care. Not your baths, candles, face masks, as lovely as that all is. We are talking about how you can look after your own health and well-being. So I thought I'd start by chatting a little bit about my week. It went well. Um, I'm on a course at the minute, which has been really interesting. Plus, I finished the book that I'm reading for a new book club that I was invited to join by some Twitter friends, which I'm really excited to discuss with them. I hope that all of your weeks have went well. I loved hearing your feedback from the last episode. Amelia from London commented that she liked how Claire focused on breast awareness rather than a prescriptive examination. As you know, you can always drop me a message with any comments or improvements or any feedback that you might have about the podcast. So, without further ado, I will introduce episode two, which is entitled Get Your Smear. And my super special guest is Helen Baker. We are launching this episode today to mark the end of Cervical Cancer Prevention Week, which is a week that raises awareness around the risks of cervical cancer and to help women and and people with cervixes learn more about how to reduce the risks of cervical cancer and preventing illness. I hope you may have seen some of the week's activities and awareness raising on your own social media. So, let's talk about Helen. Helen Baker, who I met through Instagram, is by day a marketer and designer and a mum and in her free time has launched an incredibly successful craftivism campaign called We Are All Smear Ready, which raises awareness around getting your smear if you're a woman or a person with a cervix. Helen's story is incredible and I really think it will inspire you to want to change the world. In this episode, we will cover why getting your smear is so important, how we can make the smear experience more comfortable, and then a little bit about Helen, her journey and her work with We Are All Smear Ready, and how you can even get involved. As I've mentioned on my Instagram, I've tried to make this series a bit of a hybrid of health education, but also spotlighting inspiring women and the work that they're doing. So let's begin. I really hope you enjoy episode two of Self Care's Healthcare. Hi, Helen. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, so we've got Helen from the We Are All Smear Ready campaign, and she's going to tell us a bit about her and her work. So, yeah, Helen, take it away. Um, tell us a bit about you. So I'm going to start by um, yeah introducing myself. I'm Helen Baker. Um, my kind of day job is um, in marketing and design and communications, but um, I'm really here to talk about um, a passion project that I set up in 2017, um, which is the We Are All Smear Ready campaign. Um, in 2017, um, the culmination of a few things inspired me to, to start a social media awareness campaign. Uh, one of them was losing a dear family friend to cervical cancer. And uh, another one was hearing on the news that smear test attendance rates had fallen to over a 20-year low. Also, um, I received my own invitation to attend a smear test. And looking at all the, um, the leaflet and the letter that came through, I was really shocked at 
how um it's really hard to define actually but how wordy and and medical the all the information that came through um inviting me for my smear test was and I, I call myself an empathy-led um, marketeer. So my my work is really sort of, I try to come really come at it from, from the audience's perspective and how might they be feeling at this time. And, you know, I'd heard all this stuff in the, the media about um, 25 to 29-year-olds, that sort of first invited cohort of women to attend smear test rates. One in three were skipping their appointment. And it just sort of sparked something in me. And having lost this, this family friend to cervical cancer as well, and hearing that cervical screening or smear tests are so important to help pick up any cell changes in, in the cervix and how, you know, these screenings are so important. They, they can be, be life-changing um, and life-saving. So I had all this sort of nuggets of information in my head um, and I just thought, where, you know, where are all these women? They're on social media. They're not going to be, you know, at in waiting rooms, looking at posters in, in a doctor's surgery. They're going to be online. Um, could I create some sort of social media awareness campaign that didn't come from a medical perspective? That's that's not me at all. I'm not medically trained. But that came from a supportive sisterhood approach um, that tried to sort of spread this message to younger women in particular um, to kind of alleviate some of their fears and to break down some of the barriers to attending smear tests. Um, and one thing I also love to do is do lots of research and kind of find out the statistics and the, the sort of national context behind it. So a bit more digging and reading into the into the kind of literature behind smear tests um, revealed quite an interesting um, study from Joe's Trust, the only UK cervical cancer charity. And their study found that body image, body image and embarrassment were two of the main barriers stopping younger women from attending smear tests so that really helped me define the focus of the campaign that I wanted to address issues of embarrassment and body image through this social media awareness campaign um, so I, I just kind of started you know putting information like those statistics in very sort of bite-sized shareable um, infographic type format um, and just I, I launched it on the International Women's Day in 2018 not really knowing how it was going to to go it was just sort of me wanting to do something particularly in response to you know losing this family friend and thinking I don't you know if more deaths can be if more lives sorry can be saved then surely I've got to try and I just wanted to to do something and I wanted to use my skills and expertise for for positive social good so that's what I started doing um yeah, like I said, not knowing how it would would take off, if at all, you know, would it, was it going to be one of those things that just kind of fizzled away with only my family and friends liking my posts? But no, it, people definitely latched on to wanting to be able to raise awareness of a very kind of unsexy subject um, and wanting to keep kind of communicate that to their audience. Because, you know, we're talking about anyone with a cervix needing the screening. Um, and knowing the statistics, you know, such as one in three are skipping appointments, yet for that group, it's the highest risk group of, of cancer. So it's so important to get this message out there um, that basically I started, you know, trying to get this message across. And I, I came up with the, the title of the campaign, We Are All Smear Ready, because it was sort of like, um, like I said, the sisterhood approach. I wanted the we aspect to it. 
um, and saying it doesn't matter how your lady garden looks down below you know what your downstairs is like we're all ready to go you don't need to do any waxing you don't need to do you know shaving you don't need to do anything like that you're ready to go as you are and that was sort of the main um drive of the campaign and it was actually um that in, was that sort of tagline was inspired by walking past a local beauty salon where I saw um, a sign in the window that just said, how's your lady garden? And, I, and even though they were trying to get people in to have treatments and, and things done, I really saw that as a way to use kind of relatable, slightly tongue in cheek, fun language, you know, slightly humorous to to talk about actually a very serious subject. Yeah. Um, Shall I carry on going? <laughs> yeah, no, keep going. I think what you're saying is incredible. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Um, cool. I didn't want to just sort of blurt at you if you had any questions, but I'm sure you'll you'll chip in if there, if there is anything else you want to um, have clarified. But to carry on, so I I sort of had this this um, the tone that I wanted to portray that was that was approachable, relatable, lighthearted, the sisterhood approach, um, and I'd created all of these sort of mini. Um, infographic posts and I was sharing them and I tried to sort of come up with a way to get people involved because that's what I that's where I thought the the campaign needed to go it needed people to kind of pick up the campaign and, and pass it on themselves but how were they going to do that and at first I remember thinking what what would most people have access to that could be really easy and I thought maybe some like post-it note pants so I one of my first posts is um I made a little pair of pants and I kind of tore the corners off a, a post-it note and just put the hashtag we are all smear ready and I thought that's something people have got but actually people were taking that hashtag and using it in so many different ways people were writing it on their hand they were writing it on whiteboards they were um, embroidering it it was all sorts of different ways so I thought people are kind of doing it in their own style how how could I kind of take that forward? And at the same time, I read a book um, that totally inspired me called How to Be a Craftivist by Sarah Corbett. And that, to kind of sum that up, it's how to use craft and activism as a gentle form of protest. And to me, that just resonated with who I am. I, I've, I am an activist, but I'm not an activist that goes to marches. I don't go on protests. I don't chain myself to... A fence or a, a tree or a dig or anything like that I I don't like those um very loud crowded environments and I thought surely there's another way to get a message across that's not that you can still get the message across in a passionate way but that's not using kind of um very loud extrovert sort of um types of of communication and that's where how um craftivism really struck a chord with me because I thought this is actually empathetic, it's strategic, um, and it is actually really effective. Craftivism has been going for over 10 years now, and it has really changed the hearts and minds of many people. One kind of quite famous example is um, craftivism, and again, the Sarah, founder Sarah Corbett and some of her craftivist friends um, actually managed to raise the um, living weight, the um, just got to get this right. Sorry, the the uh, minimum wage to living wage standard for um, Marks and Spencer's employees, and that was, you know, a really pivotal pivotal um, policy change. That they were one of the first in the high street to do so, and activists before then had tried and failed to be able to get the attention of the board members 
to explain the cause. And craftivists did this through handwriting um, letters to the board members on Marks and Spencer's handkerchiefs. Um, and it was, you know, a very considered, like I said, empathetic, well thought through campaign that explained the reasons why it would be so beneficial that it actually made the, the board members of Marks and Spencer's change their minds and change their policy. So I had been really inspired by hearing stories like that of craftivism. And I thought, could people make little mini pairs of pants? Because, well, we'll wear, wear pants. They may all be different shapes and sizes and colours and fabrics and things, but it's it's a sort of the tool to get people talking about smear tests. And I was wondering if people could, could make these mini pairs of pants. And even the art of creating something um, with a purpose is really effective. So I tried this with a group of friends of mine and we all sat around one evening and I talked about craftivism and I said, you know, we're going to make these mini pairs of pants that have a sort of felt background or, you know, or it could be made out of paper or card. It doesn't really matter. But the art of constructing something and thinking about its purpose, what's, what is its message? What are you trying to convey? Actually was really quite eye-opening because lots of the women that I was with were talking about their experiences of um, smear tests or their bodies or what they had been through often some of which they hadn't even shared with close partners or friends or family um, but because you don't you know you don't have to make eye contact when you're creating these and you're you're often um, touching and using very tactile resources and fabrics it actually promotes a very safe space and if you're around people that that you trust, then often it leads to very interesting and opening conversations. Um, and I was just amazed at the power of, of craftivism to do this. And I thought, wow, this was just with a small group of women. What if this could be kind of done at a larger scale? So um, just before um, Cervical Screening Awareness Week that happens in June every year, I hosted um, a pop-up craftivist event in my local town. Um, and I invited passers-by to come and make a mini pair of pants um, and to, with it, put a little instruction label that kind of explains a bit more of the campaign and the, the context of, of the national falling attendance rates. Um, and the idea is that they then put them somewhere public, perhaps on the back of a toilet door, um, it could be in um, their place of work, it could be on a lamppost, it could be anywhere where someone else might see it and might it might just prompt a conversation between people it could be you know even it could be someone sort of thinking you know it could be a male thinking have my friends colleagues family are they up to date with their smear test it's not just for women it's you know like I said this is this affects anyone with a cervix whatever your orientation um so I encourage people to sort of come at, at my little stool make a mini pair of pants and take them away and um to be fair, the stall that I was at, it's its not your average kind of Saturday morning stand. It had balloons, it had cake for, and I was raising money for Joe's Trust as well. Um, but it provoked a lot of interesting conversations, but one really um, stands out for me. And I remember a lady coming along um, with her teenage son and she asked me what I was doing. So I explained the campaign and why it was, why I was trying to raise awareness, um, you know, the idea about posting the pants um, somewhere in public the following week. And she looked at me and she just went, yuck, and she walked off. And I thought, fair enough, you know, there are going to be some people who this doesn't rate with, resonate with at all. Um, and obviously she wasn't one of them. Um, and I, I carried on with my with my store, my stand and, and talking to other people. 
But half an hour later, she came back um, and she said, I've been thinking about what you're doing and I'd actually really like to get involved. And we stood and made mini pairs of pants together. Um, and she said, I'm going to take this and I'm going to put these in the toilets at my place of work next week. Um, it was a college where she worked. And again, it was another sort of spine tingling moment when I realised the power of craftivism. I wasn't sort of pushing this message down her throat at all in a very, you know, not in a very aggressive combat way, which often activism can come over in that way. This was a very gentle sowing the seed. Um, and actually, you know, it provoked a complete change of mind for her. And I again, was just amazed at seeing the power of craftivism and just spreading a message in a very different way and the power of that. Um, and then every year, I um, the, the campaign focuses around two main awareness weeks. So there's the Cervical Screening Awareness Week in Ju uh, June, and in January, it's Cervical Screening Prevention Week. Um, sorry, Cervical Cancer Prevention Week got that slightly wrong um so there are two main weeks that the campaign is focused around but i encourage people to you know make and share mini pairs of pants whenever they want throughout the year often people do it when they're going to their appointments and they've um you know been holding mini pairs of pants while they're having their smear or they've stuck them to the um the lamp at their appointment or on on the waiting room notice board they put a mini pair, pair of pants and then people take photos of the, the mini pairs of pants um, and share them on social media with the hashtag we're all smear ready and I mean there's probably thousands of pairs of pants that have been made over the last few years now there's been um, a 3d mini silk pair made by a, um, a garter maker um, <laughs> illustrators paper cut artists um, uh, a chocolatier made some mini 3D, uh, mini sort of chocolate pants that she um, packaged up and left all around an Ikea. Um, people have made them and put them up in in um, in places like Boots next to the hair removal section, um, in libraries next to women's literature. You know, there's so people have been so creative at using whatever materials they have to hand because again, there's a focus on sustainability as well and and making sure you don't try not to buy anything new for these they're because they're so small they're kind of the size of the palm of your hand you really can use anything to hand I often raid my recycling bin and find some interesting colored packaging to use um last year for the pandemic the rainbow pants were made um you know it really has been amazing to see the kind of crafting community and the supportive sisterhood community wanting to help share the message that affects so many people um, to just try and kind of overcome the stigma of smear tests because yes they're not enjoyable you know at all they're, they're they can be slightly you know uncomfortable but a few minutes of discomfort is so worth worth it compared to you know living with cervical cancer and not knowing or you know tragically I've heard of, of deaths from it but you know this can be prevented if people are aware of what's happening inside their bodies. And I think it's almost like an issue that um, we've become so attuned to the exterior of our bodies, especially the kind of Instagram, Snapchat kind of ways that, that we kind of we're used to, to, to living in that we almost kind of forget the internal part of our bodies. And, and that just like cars need an MOT, our bodies need an MOT. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where we're at with the campaign and um 
I was also um, featured, the, the campaign is um, featured on a BBC4 documentary um, that was filmed last year that's still available on iPlayer um, because it was recognised as one of, as a successful UK craftivist campaign. Um, so I had the very surreal experience of Je the comedian Jenny Eclair coming to my house um, and making mini pants pairs of pants with me at my kitchen table and then us going into my local town and dropping them around different beauty salons hairdressers uh, gift shops um, pubs restaurants um, again just helping to raise awareness so that was really good exposure for the campaign and got lots of new followers who are just learning about the campaign and wanting to make mini pairs of pants and get involved with craftivism as I see it as such a, a just a brilliant uh, way novel way of getting a message across wow i think you know your story is there's actually so much to unpick here but it's so inspiring you know taking such a tragic event that's happened to you in your life and turning it into this amazing campaign that's you know become international i think as i saw in the video that you sent me um of the documentary that you were talking about that you know there's people all around the world making these little pairs of pants um and yeah amazing and there's actually someone in um i'm now in, t in regular contact with someone in new york and south america um who want to basically take the campaign and, and spread it in the country wherever they're in so it's being trying the 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 templates and the instructions are being translated into different languages as well, which is just amazing. So it feels like it's really growing. And yeah, I'm proud to say it is going international. Wow. Wow. You're such an inspiring, inspiring woman to have to have on the show so, or to have on the podcast. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, the one thing that I wanted to pick up on is, is how devastating it is that the statistic that you quoted, the one in three women are missing their appointments um and actually when we say women I should probably say women and people with cervixes because you know smears aren't just for women it's for anyone who has a cervix so, so one in three is is a massive number it's massive and and it's so sad that the two main reasons that people are skipping their appointments are body image and embarrassment um you know as a smear taker um I literally, you know, have you know, you've seen it all. I've got, I've got a vulva. I know what they look like. I really, genuinely do not care. Yeah, but I, I think there's just so much sort of um, people think you have to do all this preparation beforehand, and you know, this whole kind of like I, I use the word smear ready a bit, like you know, being beach ready and saying you you don't have to be beach ready at all to be smear ready. You know, we are all smear ready. Just trying to kind of help educate people that you're ready to go as you are right now today you know you yeah. don't need to do work and and one again um at my last smear test appointment I I you know I'd normally shave my legs for a nurse that doesn't even touch my legs which is just yeah. seems crazy so I took a photo hairy legs I kept my socks on you know just to kind of show that this is the realities of it it's you know you can just go as you are right now yeah yeah and, and actually you know in the hospital a lot of women when you're going to do a speculum they're like oh gosh like I'm really sorry about this and you're like I, I genuinely I'm like about what you know it's it's completely yeah. natural to have body hair it's completely natural to have vaginal discharge it's completely natural for your your pants do not smell great after you've, you've been wearing them for half a day you know yeah. we're used to it all <laughs> 
so it's yeah I just try and you know it's trying to get the message across in a very kind of light-hearted way to say you know to say all of this and our bodies are just natural and it, a lot of this is is education and, and maybe my former life as a, a teacher might be coming across here I used to be a PSHE teacher so I'm all for you know empowering people through education yeah. um and even you know I've been having um conversations with nurses and doctors and just you know how can I help people get how can I use the right information to get across to people things like you know it's best if you don't shower beforehand you know if you've got a morning appointment feel you know find a shower the night the night before whatever but it really you don't need to shower you know just before you go it's it's all of this sort of information that I'm trying to get across but I I am aware that I'm I'm not medically trained so I'm I don't want to give the wrong information, but I want to support people on the kind of body image and embarrassment angles to to really say that, you know, you don't need to do work beforehand. Like you said, nurses and doctors don't care what you look like. All they need to do is their job. Yeah. And, you know, chances are you've seen hundreds, thousands, I don't know, of, of, um, of vulvas. And, you know, your job involves getting to the cervix, not anything else. So it really shouldn't matter. Yeah, ha- literally half the time you don't even think about you don't think about the vulva itself. You know, you're so distracted by getting the speculum and get you know doing the smear or doing whatever, having a look, and then getting it back out. I honestly half the time I'm like I don't even you know a woman a woman will say oh I'm really sorry about you know my my pubic hair and I'm like oh I haven't even noticed. <laughs> and that's yeah, I just find it really sad that you know women are apologizing about our bodies I know our, our bodies do amazing things and you know we we cope with with monthly pain we cope with hormonal changes you know birth all these sorts of things that our bodies are amazing at doing um and and how the norm is sort of to apologize and to to feel we have to do work on it before we go to a professional to take you know for them to take a, a very quick screening appointment yeah yeah it is really sad and I think your messaging is really clear and really good you know we're all smear ready because we are um so yeah and actually the more I think about the campaign the more beautiful it becomes to me oh thank you um yeah I've had I've had such lovely feedback from it and I mean one one bit of feedback recently really stands out because it was from um a woman who was um spending you know having a lot of difficulty trying to conceive um and she messaged saying that um she saw the campaign last year during the awareness week and it's in it made her book a long overdue smear um and at the smear cancerous cells were detected um and then later removed and um and then she basically was able to get pregnant straight away after that um and she's expecting a baby any day now um and she wrote this lovely message that just had me in tears because she basically said that she'd you know what 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 could have been if she hadn't have gone to her smear um and to have such a lovely kind of outcome it's just amazing really and and like I said before you know I didn't really know where the campaign would go but I just I was just so motivated to do something and and two of my favorite words are are what if and I think I just had that sort of what if in my head. What if I could help inspire people to go to these appointments that aren't, no one really talks about them, but what yeah. if they do inspire a conversation between 
perhaps, you know, a couple of friends who see them in a public toilet or, you know, walk past them on the street or something. What, what if they were inspired to just say, when was your last meal? What was it like? Because we're not talking about them. Um, yeah. Yet we all have to go. So we should be prompting each other, but just in a, in a very, you know, the, my kind of ca- campaign, you know, this way of doing it is, is not in a, a doom and gloom way. It's, it's a positive, lighthearted, um, gentle approach, which I hope comes over. Yeah, well, that story gave me goosebumps. Like, honestly, you know, seeing firsthand how your your campaign has changed someone's life must be absolutely incredible. Um, so, wow. And the what if is is such a good, such a good two words, actually. And and I guess for anyone listening, what advice would you give to someone who, um, you know, has has something that they're passionate about and wants to establish a campaign so um I'd say I think one of the things that really inspired me to get it off the ground was actually reading up on the research around it and and knowing the kind of the facts and figures so I had this kind of research to to base all my infographics on um so it wasn't just me kind of hypothesizing something It, it really came from um you know a really sort of um yeah a sort of a real con a real kind of snapshot of of the the country and the this sort of cohort of women and where they were where their thinking was at so it came from a very um yeah grounded source i guess um yeah. and then i was able to base everything off that um and just trying to make it you know this campaign isn't about me at all um this is about inspiring other people and i really wanted to and i think craftivism is a way for people to get involved mm. so to try and think of of ways that you can get other people to share the message in a very easy simple way with their followers because if you think you know everyone has an audience online um anyone might be inspired by whatever you're trying to say but just trying to if if it's too complicated um or it's too kind of wordy or too complex people probably won't get involved but if it's quite simple um so example for example i've got on my um the campaign website so that's wearealsmearready.com you can download and print out um templates that's got the little um you know instructions on how to make the mini pairs of pants and the instruction label that goes with it so they can do that or they can just freestyle their own pair which many people do as well you know and just thinking and covering all those different types of audiences either the ones that that can just kind of freestyle it and run and do it do it their way or people that do need the guidance um and also there's a another way that i kind of do the templates without printing off anything and that's i've got a little um instruction video on how to use like a a bait a bait bin tin and draw around that to make a mini pairs of pants as well so it's trying to think sustainable as well because you don't want to kind of put anything out there in the world that you know is more plastic or more um resources that people have to buy things for this is hopefully things that have like people have lying around the house um and that's where i think craftivism you know works so well yeah but yeah really trying to think of your audience and try and think of your purpose um and any research or statistics behind it i think you know that will set a good foundation for a campaign in some way yeah and as a fellow well as an introvert i actually really related to what you're you're saying about um activism and you know standing in crowds and shouting and things it's just again not me i think 
yeah. activism as an alternative to mainstream activism is is amazing and you know you've shown how you can make such a difference with craftivism and I, I think that's really inspiring for people listening yeah there's you know it's just taking a different approach and activism doesn't have to be this kind of very loud um yeah us versus them way of doing things yeah and actually you know I think all of that all of that just often dilutes the message um I remember going I was with a friend on Regent Street and there was a, a huge um protest outside one of the shops um but I didn't I didn't know until I came home and googled what was what the protest was about because there were so many people with loudspeakers um the police were there the fire and fire service were there so that all the kind of you know these flashing lights this huge crowd of people and I was like what what's the message here it's just it was getting lost overwhelming. Um, yeah totally overwhelming so I actually was like well what was that protest about and like I said I googled it when I got home but for me that's that's all that is is just a different tone yeah but for me it's all about how can I get the message across in the most effective way and I think that's where my sort of marketing hat kind of comes on as well it's it's not about being loud and angry and negative it's about getting the message across in the best possible way and I think this is this isn't replacing you know activism this is just another way of doing it and for me this totally fits with my personality and who I am um, I'm not going to go on a march but I will do this and you know I've I've already seen that my campaign the campaign has impacted people it has helped yeah. um, you know so I just think it is effective and it's it's just different but I, I, I think it's brilliant and can, could be used for so many things. It's, it's been used for um, COP26 as well, um, making little yellow canaries that symbolise um, clean air because yellow canaries were taken down the coal mines just to test if, there was, if the air was toxic or not. So oh. people have been making, making little yellow canaries and sending, to their M, sending them to their MP saying, we know you have a position of power. Um, you know, we're your, your constituents. We're, we're, you know, we're with you on wanting to do the best that you can in your position of power um, in government. So it's there's so many different campaigns using craftivism, um, and it's so easy to get involved. And it's it's social, it's crafty, it's there's so many crafters and makers out there that it's just it's using craft for a real genuine purpose, which I get very excited about. Yeah, yeah, that, that I actually didn't know about the yellow canary. That's really interesting. Um, and I guess if you look up craft, sorry, if you just yeah, anyone interested can look up um, hashtag canary craftivists and there's um, they'll find loads of information. Oh, nice! I might do that. Um, and I guess you've kind of said it already, but how can people get involved in your campaign? Um, so either on Facebook or Instagram, um, we're we are all smear ready, um, and the website um, I've mentioned is wearealllsmearready.com. So people can either you know share the infographic posts, they can make their own pairs of pants. Um, I'm doing an Instagram live next week with someone who's explaining all about their experience of colposcopies. Um, so you know anyone that wants to get involved, whether that's through an interview with me um, or making their own mini pairs of pants and putting them and sharing them with their kind of their online world um there's lots of ways they can get involved but um the website's probably the best place to kind of um see all the different ways that they can get involved um but yeah like i said the, the two main awareness weeks in january and june um is where the kind of the main emphasis is but people can get involved any any time of the year amazing and i guess finally um coming back to the the whole 
and topic of this podcast. Um, do you have any advice for women and people with cervixes on how to make their smear experience more comfortable for them? Yeah, I mean, I was give, I was talking to someone yesterday who was uh, really very very anxious about her first smear because she'd never had intercourse and was worried to have you know to have something substantial as she said put up there. So it's sort of really trying to understand where people are at. And I'd say the first thing to do is to talk to your nurse um, because they will understand and they can often give you a longer appointment um, because then they can then talk through each aspect of the um, screening with you. Um, but things like um, you can ask for a smaller speculum, um, you can listen to your own music. Um, I've actually, well, me and my um, lovely campaign supporters have put together three different um, playlists for smear, for smear tests on Spotify. Oh, wow. One to be um, uh, empowering songs for smear test, um, relaxing songs for smear test and funny songs for smear test. So if you want some music to listen to, um, go and check out those on Spotify. Um, but I just say talk to people. Don't keep it bottled up because the more tense you are, uh, the more it'll be a challenge to for the, the nurse to kind of actually put the speculum in. So just try and relax. Um, if you can kind of have a friend that goes with you, even if they, you know, they wait outside, but, but you go in, you've got company beforehand and afterwards. But just talk. I think talking is the main the main one. Um, and, you know, don't be afraid to try different positions. Some people put their, you know, fist um, hands into bald fists and then put them under their bottom. Some people go on their side. Um, so, yeah, just try try out different positions as well if it's not feeling very comfortable. But but talk, definitely talk. Yeah. Yeah, I think definitely like just talking about smears is, is an incredibly powerful tool. Just, you know, understanding that everyone, you know, everyone goes through it and yeah it's not not an experience that people want to go through but it happens and and as you said the more relaxed people are the easier the experience will be so yeah yeah and and ultimately i mean the nhs i think the the screening program saves an estimated five thousand lives every year so you know it's such an important screening to go to um, I think some people think that I love going because I'm always kind of trying to promote it. I don't. <laughs> it's most far day. But, um, you know, when you hear how many lives they potentially save a year, it's it's so important to attend. Wow, 5,000. That's amazing. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I think we'll end on that. That, you know this has been amazing um Helen you're so inspiring and your campaign's amazing and the message is is so important so thank you so much for coming on the podcast and and just chatting chatting with me it's been great oh thanks for having me on I've uh, yeah I love your podcast and I love sharing the story so thanks for having me thank you and I'm gonna go and make my own little pair of pants and go and stick it up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing them <laughs> I'll tag you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Oh, isn't Helen incredible? I hope this episode has helped to understand why getting your smear is so important if you have a cervix and what simple things you can do to make the experience a bit better. I loved getting to know Helen throughout this episode and I hope that you did too. If you're affected by any of the topics discussed in this podcast, please reach out to a friend or family member. If you need help, contact your local GP who'd be happy to discuss things through with you. 
As always, if you have any questions about anything this episode has covered, please DM the Instagram at virago underslash voices and tag us in your stories. I will endeavour to answer any of your questions on the next episode. If you liked this episode, please let me know and share it with your friends and subscribe to Virago Voices on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you and see you next week. Thank you.